Well, good morning, Morinville. It's an honor to be here with you this morning. As Pastor Peter mentioned, I'm Pastor Candice, and I'm the site pastor for our Rochester site. So um, it's good to be here with you this morning. I'm excited. Um, who's been enjoying the Save series so far? I've seen a couple t-shirts this morning talk about commitment. That's awesome. Um, I, I, I have been just loving this series. It's been such a timely message for our family. Um, our, me and my family, we've been kind of in the valley these last few months. My daughter has faced some health issues and it's been scary and we're still facing the unknown. But in the midst of that, it's been so good to be reminded of what it means to be saved. I mean, what we have been saved from, what we've been saved into, and just a reminder of who we are and whose we are. It's helped me not be identified by our brokenness, but rather be identified by being made whole in the midst of brokenness. So talking about what it means to be saved has just been such a source of hope for my family. And more recently, kind of just kicking off the summer, we've been talking about saved to demonstrate and how our demonstration of the kingdom of God comes through us receiving a revelation of the king of the kingdom. We've been filling in the blank, God is. We've been filling in the I am statements of God, who God has revealed himself to us as. Now, how many of you have seen The Lion King? It's an older movie. It came out, it was my childhood movie. You know that part where the hyenas, they just get, they come back and they're picking out thorns from their rears and they're talking about how powerful Mufasa is and how they just hear his name and they go, Mufasa, and then they're like, ooh, say it again. And they're like, Mufasa, ooh, and how it just makes them him shudder. And you know what, when talking about how awesome God is and how he has revealed himself to us, I can't help but be in awe and wonder of who he is be in awe and wonder that the God of this universe is right here, right now, speaking to us. And he's, he's the I am who I am. It's like, ooh, say it again. I am who I am. I mean, that's how we should feel when we are filling in these statements. The great I am is with us. The great I am is revealing himself to us. So this morning, we are filling in that blank again. We're looking at how God has revealed himself to us as the good shepherd. So we're going to look at how God reveals himself to us as the good shepherd in the Old Testament, and then how Jesus comes onto the scene, and he adds another dimension to the revelation of God being our good shepherd. And we're going to see that it's through this declaration that God is revealing to us that in him we can find provision. In him we can find guidance. In him we can find protection. And in him we can find um, salvation. And you know, it's you all, you're very lucky to be here this morning because I feel like my sermon has already been preached between what Holly was sharing, between what Pastor Peter was sharing. I'm just like, well, I don't need to get up now because they just took, they must have read my notes or something. Or God has something to say this morning, that there is someone here who needs to hear from God this morning. So I am very excited to be able to come and to share what I believe is God's word for you this morning. So why don't we pray? Lord knows I need help this morning. You're all a little terrified. Terrifying? I'm used to like 30 people, not this many. So we're going to ask God to help me. 
God, I just thank you that you are here right now with us. God, I am just so thankful that your word is still alive and active today and we can still read it and it become new to us. And Lord, I thank you that you have given me a word this morning, Lord, and I don't want these to be my words, I want these to be your words. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just come and you would just flow right through me, that I would be connected right to you and I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would go before and you would give wisdom and understanding and revelation and just openness to receive what you have for us today. And so God, I just pray that you would just give us all ears to hear and hearts to receive and to respond to the message that you have for us today, God. In your name we pray, amen. So one of the most known passages in scripture is God revealing himself as our shepherd. God inspired David to write the words of Psalm 23. Now, scholars have suggested that this psalm was written while David was in the wilderness fleeing from Absalom, his son, okay? Now, this, this son, he, in a very sneaky, conniving way, tried to steal the throne from David. And when David heard about his plan, he fled. He fled for his life. So we're going to read what David wrote while he was fleeing for his life because his own son was trying to kill him. Okay, we're going to, so Psalm 23, 1 to 4. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David's fleeing from his son when he writes this. I just think that's incredible. And, you know, David starts off with making it clear that God is his shepherd, his personal shepherd. He says, my shepherd. Now, this is important because Israel faced the temptation to only speak about our God, forgetting that the God of the nation of Israel was also the God of individuals. They saw him as a distant, far-off God of Israel, not a close personal shepherd. But here, David is revealing that there is a degree of intimacy and a clear indication of a personal relationship between him and his shepherd. God is my shepherd. So by inspiring David to write this scripture, God is revealing that he wants a personal and intimate relationship with his sheep. All of Israel knew what it meant to be a shepherd. They knew a shepherd's job was to take care of their flock. They knew that a shepherd's job was to provide, guide, and protect their sheep. So that means having God as our shepherd means that we can find provision, guidance, and protection in him. So we're going to look at how each one of these is described in these verses. So provision. I lack nothing. David is content. He doesn't want anything. He's, God has provided for him. He's provided green pastures, so he's provided food. He's b- provided um, quiet, still waters. He's provided waters. So from about October to March, the desert in Israel is excellent pasture for sheep. Like what we see in here in June, okay? Green, lush, abundant. But from April to September, 
It's what we picture when we think of desert, okay? I mean, it cannot support a flock of sheep. Water and food is hard to find, but David says that his shepherd leads him to green pastures, pastures that are lush and abundant. Then he says that God leads him to quiet waters. Remember, he's fleeing from his son at this point. He's running for his life. He's trying to stay alive. He's probably running. He's probably traveling at some speed, okay? His days have been rushed. But here he says that God leads him to quiet waters. This is describing sheep having the ability to drink without being rushed, to have the the water's edges quiet. It's calm. It's not fearful or full of anxiety. It's peaceful. Isaiah 32, 18 says, My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. David says, He leads me beside quiet waters. So here in these verses, David was describing God's constant and abundant care. He's making a point that his shepherd's care and provision is not seasonal. Rather, it's constant. He doesn't lack anything ever. Okay, so how does this verse describing guidance, how does this shepherd provide guidance? He guides me along the right paths. He refreshes my soul. Other translations have restore here. Now, restore or refresh, it means to bring back, to come back, to turn back. This implies that something came and disrupted the way things should be. Something took him off course. But what does the shepherd do? He restores, he refreshes, he guides us back to where we need to be. He guides us to the right paths. A shepherd who guides is always with his sheep. And God has made the promise to always be with us. Isaiah 43, 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. So in revealing himself as our shepherd, he's letting us know that he wants to be our guidance. He want, he's right there with us, providing us with guidance, leading our footsteps. Now I think we gain a better understanding of how God guides us by looking at how he also protects us, okay? Um, how do, it describes protection in this verse. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff comfort me. David is definitely walking through the darkest valley, okay? He's running from for his life because his own son is trying to kill him, and yet he's confident with his shepherd's ability to protect him. Now, David mentions both the rod and the staff. A shepherd's rod was used to club down wild animals, okay? So that we were talking about protection. The staff was used to keep the sheep in control, to provide guidance. Now, sometimes shepherds, they have to lead their sheep to another location. I mean, when they run out of food or they need some more water. Now, when this happened, when they're on the move, the number of dangers increased significantly. The eastern Judea deserts have steep, eroded cliffs that drop to like a thousand feet in some places. So these ravines and narrow slopes, they had places where light couldn't reach. So there's literally places where it's dark. So the darkest valley makes more sense now, right? The sheep are going through places where light's not hitting because they're in, it's their shadows, okay? So 
But what does the shepherd do in these dark valleys, in these dark places? He finds them green pastures. He finds them quiet waters. He leads the sheep down safe paths, down the right paths. This staff is guiding his footsteps to the, to the pla- dark, through the dark places. The shepherd is taking him through the dark places, showing him where to step in the midst of crossing through these dark places. So we see that in the Old Testament, when God revealed himself as our, as our shepherd, he's showing us that he's our provider, guidance, and protector. And like a shepherd cares for their sheep, he's trying to reveal that he desires an intimate, close relationship with us. God is revealing that he is the type of shepherd that we can trust and, and rest in, the kind of shepherd that will take care of his sheep. So that's how God reveals himself as our shepherd in the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus comes onto the scene, and he takes this revelation to another level. He adds one more characteristic to the revelation of God being our shepherd. We're going to read John uh, 10, 1 to 18. This is a lot of verses, so hang in there. Follow along with me on the screen. So this is Jesus talking. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full." I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and turns away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The the man runs away because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord, and I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This is the command I receive from the Father. So the points of the shepherd guiding and protecting and providing, they're all part of this revelation. I mean, we got provision when Jesus says, um, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We have guidance uh, in verses three and five where he talks about the sheep hears his voice and they lead him out. The sheep know his voice, okay? They follow the good shepherd. And then it talks about protection by this whole idea of a sheep pen, okay? Um, in biblical times, a sheep pen was made of rough stone and bricks and mud. I think there's a picture of one. 
It would be, and sometimes it would be topped with um, thorny bushes, okay? And it would only have one opening, and that would be what the sheep went through at night, and then either the shepherd would sit at that opening so no beasts or thieves could get in, or they w- the, he would um, put thorn bushes in front so nothing could get in to the sheep pen. There was only one way in. Now, these sheep pens are actually still used today by Palestinian shepherds in the Judean desert, But once again, God is trying to tell us that we can find provision, guidance, protection in him. But here, we have Jesus not only describing that he is our shepherd, but he takes it one step further and he throws good in there. He says, I am the good shepherd. So what is this significance? Why does he throw good in there? In just 18 verses, Jesus mentions three times laying his life down for the sheep. So Jesus has come to reveal and bring forth the good shepherd. And this good shepherd brings salvation. Now, if you think about it, in salvation, we have provision, guidance, and protection. I mean, provision, we're given grace, love, mercy, forgiveness, freedom, hope. And guidance, I mean, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. We don't need to worry about what to say and when to say it because the Holy Spirit will give us the guidance to say it. I mean, our whole lives are guided by the fact that we've been brought into the kingdom and now represent the king. Our whole lives are guided by the fact that our purpose and direction comes from being kingdom citizens. And then protection, I mean, we're given eternal life. We're protected from death. I mean, we are protected from the thief that only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I mean, doesn't that sound good? This is our good shepherd. Now, the word good used in these verses can also be translated to noble. Now, this means that the shepherd is committed to his flock. He will do whatever it takes to provide, guide, and protect them. And I really believe that once again, God is trying to reveal that he cares so much about us that he wants a personal relationship with us. So much that he would do whatever it takes, even laying down his life, to make that possible. Now, how many of you have ever met a shepherd? Have ever seen a shepherd in action? I'm not sure what actually classifies a shepherd as a shepherd, but for the sake of this sermon, if someone has more than like three sheep for a pet, they're, they're a shepherd, okay? Um, the preschool teacher in Rochester is a shepherd. <laughs> she has like over 300 sheep. And for one of the field trips, we went to her farm to see all the sheep. It was right around lambing season, so she wanted to show all the kids the lambs. You do some weird field trips in Rochester, okay? We went to a lamb farm. That's what we did. And we saw so many lambs, and I'm telling you that we saw one that was like a couple hours old. It was so cute. I mean, I don't really know how anyone eats lamb. Like, I don't understand how someone looks at a lamb and says, wow, that'd be good to eat. Like, there's not even any meat on it. It's so small. But anyway, I'm not a vegetarian. I like meat. I just don't like meat that's only like three days old. Um, And just to clarify, I asked the shepherd, I said, have you ever ate one of your lambs? And she said, definitely not. I never could do that. So that was a little bit of relief for me. But for the first part of this field trip, we mainly just stayed in the barnyard, looked at like all the brand new lambs, and, but then she took us out to the pasture. 
where we saw like the lambs that were a couple weeks old. Now, if you've ever, if you've never been to Rochester, you should really come. Rochester is located like right at the bottom of a valley, so everyone's properties are on hills. Okay, so this shepherd's, <laughs> this preschool teacher, her farm was on a hill, and um, it was May, so the pasture's already really green. You can see it's kind. Of, that's not Rochester, but. <laughs> <laughs> but it looked like that, okay? I'm a little biased, but. So she leads us out to this pasture, and all of a sudden she yells, come on, and I kid you not, like that, hundreds of lambs come running towards her. And I'm telling you, it was a sight to behold. <laughs> I literally started crying. Remember, we're on a preschool teacher field trip. There's other parents there, and I'm standing there crying in this. I'm, like, trying to hide my face and wipe my tears. But it was just, it was amazing to see these green pastures and hundreds of little lambs running towards their shepherd. They gathered around her. They followed her. They knew her voice. She didn't have to go get them. They came to her. So here's just a shepherd in Rochester taking care of her sheep. And it was like God was speaking to me. And he was saying, you're my sheep. I will take care of you. I love you. I am the good shepherd. Isn't that crazy? That's what God was saying this morning during worship and when Pastor Peter came up. But that's what God was saying to me in the midst of, in little old Rochester, on the shepherd in a farm, there's hundreds of little lambs running, and God's like, this is what you're like to me. Now, what does this shepherd do to take care of her sheep? Well, she removes all hazard. There's, there's no, like, broken down equipment or inner pastures that could cut or stab her sheep. I mean, she does weed control, so the, there's no poisonous plants that her sheep could eat. She has, like, two guard dogs that um, scare off wolves and other predators and coyotes and foxes. And if it's too dry for the grass to grow, you can see that she's got a stockpile of feed off to the side, that her sheep will never lack anything. And the sheep know her voice. She never has to drive the sheep. I grew up on a cow farm. I know what it's like to drive cows. It drives you insane. They're so stupid. But, but sheep, you literally call them and they come. They stop whatever they do are doing and they come. They hear their shepherd's voice and follow them. Now, Arab shepherds, they can separate, oh great, I've got a tongue twister now. Arab shepherds can separate their personal sheep um, by just using specific calls. If they do not recognize a person's voice, they won't come. But as soon as they hear their shepherd's voice, they will come. During the Palestinian uprising in the late 1980s, the Israeli army decided to punish a village near Bethlehem for not paying its taxes. So the officer in command um, rounded up all of the village animals and placed them in a large barbed wire pen. And later in the week, he was approached by a woman who begged him to release her flock because her husband had passed away. This was their only source of livelihood. And this officer in command just laughed at her because he just pointed at the pen and he's like, there's no way I can tell which sheep are yours. Like, sorry, lady, I can't help you. 
And she asked, well, if I can separate them myself, would I, can I take them? And he laughed and <laughs> said, sure. So a soldier opened up the gate, and a woman, the woman's son came up, and he produced a small reed flute. He pulled out a flute, and he played a simple tune again and again and again. And all of a sudden, sheeps, their sheeps, their heads started popping up. So then the son started walking home, and sure enough, 25 sheep followed him. <laughs> and she got her sheep. <laughs> Verse 3, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. He goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. He doesn't drive, he leads, he protects, he provides, and he saves us. Now, have you ever experienced God as your good shepherd? Have you ever felt him leading you, protecting you, providing for you, saving you? I think right now we're experiencing God's saving grace. I mean, that's the only way we can be here right now and be in his presence. But maybe today you desperately need some provision or guidance or protection from God. You know, I don't think I have ever experienced God as my good shepherd as much as I have this last year. Uh, Back in November... Um, What we thought was just Sadie. Sadie's my four-year-old daughter. Um, She was three at the time. What we thought was just her fighting a cold and putting on a little weight um, turned into being nephrotic syndrome. Now, nephrotic syndrome is a medical condition that is found in children under the age of seven. The Stollery in Edmonton only sees 50 cases a year, so it's it's really rare. And it happens when a child's kidneys do not work properly. Sadie's kidneys were letting all of her protein pass through her urine, and this causes the protein in your blood to drop, so then um, all of your fluid that you intake and fluid that's in your body just goes into your tissues, and it causes swelling, hence why we thought she was just gaining weight. So she, I, kn- I knew something was wrong when I went to put on a pair of shoes she wore on Sunday, on Thursday, and I couldn't even get them on, so I knew that something was up. And it turns out um, she had um, nephrotic syndrome. And so in order to fix this, these kids have to be put on a steroid treatment. And so for three months, Sadie was on a steroid called prednisone. Now, this steroid has some terrible side effects. It makes Sadie very hungry, restless, angry, short-tempered. It causes rage. Um, It causes ulcers. It causes her blood pressure to rise, her cheeks to swell up, and also causes hair growth. There's a picture there that uh, you can kind of get a picture. So the first picture is January 2018, so at the peak of steroid treatment. And then in April, she was off of it for a couple months. And then that's, so that's what she looked like. That's what the steroid does. So at the beginning of February, she completed her treatment. Now Sadie's body was focusing so hard on making sure that her kidneys were working. It meant that all her lines of defense against other germs and bacterias were completely down. So when the rest of us had a common cold, Sadie got pneumonia. 
So we ended up back in the hospital, and that was at the end of April, and while she was in the hospital being treated for pneumonia, she relapsed, and we had to go back on the steroid treatment. Um, So now Sadie's done treatment for the second time, and we're praying that God would just put a shield of protection around her so she doesn't pick up any more germs or bugs, but last year, was a year, even this year has been a year of x-rays, urine tests, blood tests, pre, uh, blood pressure checks, uh, low sodium cooking, fluid restriction, just the unknown. Um, it's been the valley of the shadow of death. And actually, just in these last few days, um, she started testing positive for protein in her urine again. And if you look at her, her eyes are starting to get puffy again, which is signs that she could possibly be relapsing once again, which then I don't even, I don't know what tomorrow holds. But how has God been my good shepherd in the midst of all of that? How did he provide? Well, when Sadie wasn't sleeping, I don't even know how Clayton and I survived, but we did. She literally wasn't sleeping, but we, <laughs> I'm still here. Um, uh, he, when we were in the hospital the first time, we had a Christian nurse, and she, she prayed for us in the stallery in Edmonton. That was, it, it was just the encouragement that we needed, the strength that we needed. We had, we, we had a Christian nurse praying for us. Um, he provided encouragement and hope when he prompted someone to give me a call and pray with me. I mean, thank you. I know a lot of you have been praying for her. Thank you. I mean, God is providing what we need through you in the midst of that. He provided when someone gave us a whole bunch of clothes for Sadie because, I mean, she's gone from size four to six, up and down multiple times in these last six months. And um, when we were staying at the hospital, he's provided care for our 13-year-old and our 6-year-old so we could, so me and Clayton could be with Sadie. You know, God's provision manifested to us today is, is more than just money. It's more than just a job, a car, a house, or food. I mean, some ways, sometimes it's in ways we least expected, but nevertheless, God still provides Sometimes it just takes faith to see it. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in the glory in Christ Jesus. I mean, this is the promise. You will lack nothing. Now, how did God give us guidance in the midst of that? Not long after Sadie was put back, after she relapsed and we were going through the steroid treatment a second time, I, it was during a, just a personal study time and I was flipping through this Bible and I saw that Second Chronicles 20 was highlighted. Now this is my preaching Bible because it's small, it's not clunky, I can bring it up on stage and f- find what I need to find fast. So if anything's highlighted in here, I have um, preached on it. And Second Chronicles 20 was highlighted and I was like I don't ever remember preaching on this sure enough went through like all my sermon archives and I searched this verse and none of my sermons popped up so I've never preached on this and yet it's highlighted in my bible and then I show up to church on Sunday and my dad's like hey you need to read this scripture and sure enough it's second chronicles 20 um (laughs) and so I think God was like trying to tell me something and so I'm going to tell I'm going to read it 
And maybe you can even apply it to your situation today. So the Israel army, they were full of fear for this battle that they were about to face, okay? And this is what it says, verses 15. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Verse 17. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Insert your name there. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. After God says this, they enter into a time of worship and they get up the next morning and Jehoshaphat um, sends out the worship leaders to the front. He sends them out and they start worshiping and this is what happens. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. Amen, yeah, is right. (laughs) what battle are you facing today? Don't be afraid. I am with you. This battle is not yours. The enemy is defeated. In the midst of my darkest valley, God spoke to me and told me that this wasn't my battle. All I need to do is take up my position with him and stand firm. One of the ways that guidance is manifested to us is by God always being with us. In Exodus 3.12, God promises to be with Moses when he commissions him to lead the Israelites out of slavery. In Joshua 1.5, God promises to be with Joshua when he tells them to take over leadership of the Israelites. In Judges 6.16, God promises to be with Gideon when he tells him to face the Midianites and they were clearly outnumbered and defeat looked inevitable. And then Jesus' last words on earth, Matthew 28, 20, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to deserve, observe all that I have commanded to you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God promises to be with us, and it's through his presence we receive guidance. So how has God protected us throughout this um, darkest valley? Every time I have gone to the hospital, I have been told, it's going to be okay, you came in in time. You didn't wait. You came in on time. We caught it in time. It's okay. I guess a lot of times the children who go through this on their first relapse, they come in because they can't breathe, because the swelling starts crushing their lungs. But it didn't get to that point with Sadie, so she she could breathe the whole time. And then the second time we got in before the pneumonia got too bad. Now some may say, well that's just your motherly instinct. You just knew something was wrong. But I, I know that it was God prompting me. Like, Candace, you better go. (laughs) So I went, and God protected Sadie. Now, how has God saved us through this? Well, I don't even know where to start with this one. I I don't know how people go through the darkest valley without having God. I am not strong enough. (laughs) I need hope. I need strength. I'm not enough. I need the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I need to know that no matter what happens now, I have the promise of full restoration and full resurrection. We win in the end. I need to know that. (laughs) Um... Revelation 7.17 says, 
For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I need that promise. Isaiah 40:11 says, "He tends to his flock like a shepherd. He gathers lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young." By revealing to us that he is our good shepherd, God is telling us that he wants to be close to us. He wants to provide, guide, protect, and save us. You are my sheep. I will take care of you. I love you. God is always providing, guiding, and protecting us, even when it's not right in front of our faces. God, even when it doesn't make sense to us, God is still there. So what does that mean for us today? Yes, it means that we can rest in his provision, in his guidance, in his protection and salvation. But God doesn't want us to stop there. Not only does he want us to receive that revelation, but he wants us, he wants to be able to reveal that revelation through us to the rest of the world. He wants the the world to encounter the good shepherd through us. That means that we need to let God's provision, guidance, protection, and salvation manifest in every area of our lives. What does that look like? In provision, that means that you believe that God will provide what you need when you need it. That means that we should be free from stress, worry, anxiety. Because in Psalm 23, it says, I lack nothing. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that you lack nothing? If not, maybe you need to look at your perspective and have, and have a little shift in your perspective. Find your contentment in God and doing his will. Now, how does God's guidance manifest in our lives? You know your shepherd's voice, not Facebook, not the world's, not the media industry, not the news, not your friends. You know your shepherd's voice. When the world is telling you how to act or what to say or what security is or what comfort is, you don't listen to it. You go to God for your guidance. You know his voice and you follow it. What does protection look like manifested in our lives today? It means you do not fear. You know that God is with you and that you are loved. You know that there is nothing that you can face that God can't turn into good. You know that in the end, you are protected. You win. Now, what does salvation look manifested in our lives? I don't know if you guys know this song or sing that song, Because He Lives, but salvation, because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because you know that he holds the future, life is worth the living just because he lives. I want you to understand something. Remember when we went through all the promises that God made to those that he promised to be with them? Every single one of those came at a commission. God is commissioning us today. People need to encounter the good shepherd through us. And in order to do that, we need to know our good shepherd. We are called to be stepping, a stepping stone for people to get to quiet waters. We need to be a stepping stone for people to get to green pastures. We need to be a stepping stone for people to encounter God's provision, guidance, protection, and salvation. The demonstration comes as we experience this name of God and then allow him to work through us in that way to others. 
On that preschool field trip, I witnessed firsthand how sheep do not hesitate to come running to their shepherd. They stopped whatever it is sheep do, I don't know, catching butterflies, eating that blade of grass. They stopped, and they came. They, the second they heard their shepherd's voice, they came. Sometimes we are terrible sheep. Sometimes we don't listen. We think that we know best. We tell God, just wait, God, not yet, okay? Just, just wait. Or we, we think that we know better. And sometimes when God doesn't give us what we would give us if we were God, our faith starts to crumble. When God doesn't provide the way that we think need, we need provision, maybe it was a certain job, certain paycheck, certain, certain future plan, if God doesn't provide the way we want, we start to doubt our shepherd. If God doesn't give us guidance where we think we need guidance or protection where we think we need protection, we start to question the goodness and, and the heart of our shepherd. When we don't understand the why, we start to question the heart and intentions of our shepherd. But God doesn't command us to figure out the why. Don't, he doesn't command us to figure out why he's doing what he's doing. He just commands us to follow him, to stop whatever it is we're doing and follow him. That's why it's so important to know the voice of your shepherd. That's why it's so important to have an intimate relationship with him. Because when you've spent time with your shepherd, you begin to believe and know that no matter what, his heart and intentions towards you are always good. James 1.17 says, Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Whatever is good and perfect. And it says God never changes. So no matter what, he is the good shepherd. The good, perfect shepherd. I'm going to invite the band to come on up. God has never left my side throughout this whole journey with Sadie. And when you go through your own shadow of death or desert, know that God is with you. Maybe you can't see it. Maybe you don't want to acknowledge it. But he has never left you. He has revealed to us that he isn't just our shepherd, but that he is our good shepherd. He will never leave you. He is the good shepherd and will not abandon his sheep. David's own son was pursuing to kill him, and David was able to say, I lack nothing. I'm going to green pastures and quiet waters. Even though he was walking through the darkest valley. We are saved to demonstrate and our demonstration of the kingdom of God comes through our revelation of him. God has revealed and is revealing to us that he is our good shepherd. And that means that he wants us to experience his provision, his guidance, his salvation. And he wants others to experience that through us. It's time that we surrender ourselves as the sheep of his flock and let him be our good shepherd. Maybe right now you feel like you are in the valley of the shadow of death. Right now you're facing life's uncertainty and the unknown and you need to hear the voice of your good shepherd. I want you to know that he is speaking to you today and he wants you to hear you are my sheep. I will take care of you. I love you. I am the good shepherd. 
Before God gave guidance to the Israelites, Jehoshaphat came before him and said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's what he said. He said, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's where I'm at right now. I don't know about you. (laughs) Every day when I have to test Sadie's protein levels and I see that positive sign, I have to make a choice. Either I let fear and worry and fear of the unknown reign, or I rest and I turn to my good shepherd. The one who promises to take care of me and take care of my daughter. The one who promises only good and perfect gifts for my daughter. You are my sheep. I will take care of you. I love you. God doesn't ask us to figure out the why. He just asks us to follow him. Maybe today you need to get your eyes on your shepherd. In him you lack nothing. Or maybe today you want to encounter the good shepherd. You want to become a member of his flock. You want to start a personal relationship with him. Jesus said that there are other sheep that aren't part of this pen, but he desires to bring them in. He paid the price so you could be set free and become a a member of his flock. All you have to do is surrender your life to him. If today is your day of salvation and and you want to become a member, you want to make God your good shepherd, I want you just to raise your hand this morning and we're going to all pray together. If there's anyone who you want to make God your shepherd today, let's pray. God, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. We pray that you would help us to get our eyes on you. We pray that you would help us to know your voice, God. Know when you're calling, know what you're speaking, know when you're guiding, God. Give us eyes of faith to see when you're providing for us, when you're protecting us, God. God, help us to have the faith to believe. We just pray for an increased measure of faith to believe that you are our provider. You are our guidance, you are our protection, and you are our salvation, God. Help us to rest on your promises, Lord. Thank you, God. And when the waves start to come, God, help us just to get our eyes on you. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.